fighting. Resistor Sisters. Destroying the patriarchy one podcast at a time. I haven't accomplished anything alone, but I was fortunate to be part of a revived feminist movement. I think uh, anyone who's not a feminist is is an insane person. This was not just a lewd conversation. This wasn't just locker room banter. This was a powerful individual speaking freely and openly about sexually predatory behavior. At a time when we have self-driving cars and computers that sit on your wrist, women still make only 79 cents for every dollar a man makes. And if I have to listen to one more gray-faced man with a $2 haircut explain to me what rape is, I'm gonna lose my mind. And now, Resistor Sisters. This is Susan here in Cleveland. We are back. And joining me in the swamp, swamping it out, is Heidi. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I totally messed that up. (laughs) Is Rain in the swamp in D.C.? Well, it was a little swampy. Well, I don't know. We have a little swamp, too, because... (laughs) Uh, Trump was in uh, Duluth early yesterday, oh, so yeah. we do have a touch of the swamp. We do have a little bit of, a, of the swamp. Yeah, so yeah, that's technically disturbing. you were correct. And then Heidi in Minneapolis setting up some tea and, and crumpets for Trump to come over to lunch. <laughs> oh, Yeah, that's what horrible. it is. Tea, tea and crumpets. I'm that thinking more horrible. of a chocolate pie, really. But, yeah. <laughs> you saw the help. <laughs> All right. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, he. Um, uh, actually, this week I was thinking. Um, you know, we've this is our twentieth episode, and uh, we've been going right. strong here, and we're thinking about taking a break for the summer, and because uh, we've all got some things going on, some crazy summer things, summer projects and such, and. Uh, yes. We're thinking about taking a break, but before we do, I've had I've had some people say, well, relatives say, "What is this feminist podcast? Do you hate men?" And that's why I thought, yeah. you know, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Let's, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to alert the husbands that we hate men. I'm sure yeah. they'll be they'll be uh, very shocked at that. You really had relatives say that, Heidi? I mean, Suze? No, I, I had I had my relative, who I'm going to send this to, um, say, what is this feminist? Is this about equality? Well, I mean, is what is it about? And I said, well, it's different things, different subjects, and, you know, it's, it's about equality, yeah. And he's like, oh, oh, okay. But I think that, you know, we're assuming that everybody knows where we're coming from, um, with the feminism, and then I was like, you know what? They probably don't. So I did a little research and learned some things, and I was excited um, about more like a, fem- a young feminist talking about different way- different aspects of feminism now, and did some historical looking into on different aspects of first wave, second wave, third wave. Like I've always considered right. myself a third wave feminist, but hey. Um, and also, I did a little uh, research on rape culture, because it doesn't mean that people Ooh. just get raped constantly. 
it means you know what right. is rape culture and, and why does it yeah. affect you you know and, and i know you guys fun to research hmm that rape culture is fun to research it is it actually, you know, it's it's interesting because um i've got a little historical some um ancient babylon uh talking about ancient babylonian laws on rape and then you know um things like that so and more modern things so i don't know we could jump into it um i with the historical i've got a quick let's do um, it let's do that yeah, i've got a quick first wave um from 1830, um, this is someone talking about uh, Maria Stewart. So, four. In 1830, abolitionist newspaper publisher, political writer, and educator Maria Stewart became the first woman to ever speak publicly in front of a promiscuous or mixed gender crowd. And her topics: the need for both racial and gender equality. 19th century intersectionality, y'all. Oh, and the first dude to ever speak publicly on behalf of women's rights. Frederick, most regal hair ever, Douglas. Then in 1837, the Anti-Slavery Convention of American Women was the first time ladies collectively began agitating for the end of slavery as well as the beginning of women's rights, particularly for black women. And this was no small feat considering how Pennsylvania Hall, where the convention was held, was subsequently burned to the ground. So luckily we're not having, you know, as much uh, backlash as they used to have, right? <laughs> Things yeah, aren't getting I, burnt to the ground as much. I'm really glad that you brought up first, you know, first wave feminism. There's a book that's literally right behind me called The Ladies of Seneca Falls, Yay. and I think it's out of. I think it's out of. I don't think it's published anymore. But uh -huh. it, it, back, I think it's probably about 15 years ago, maybe 20. It was this book was published in conjunction with a PBS documentary about this. And that book actually talks about uh, Mariah, Mar which I read as Maria in the book. Maria Stewart, Mariah, yeah. maybe, maybe yeah. Mariah, I don't know. And it talks about that, about how she was one of the first. And it also talks about how during the first wave, you know, all these women were coming together. And these, and I'm not knocking them, and I have a feeling we might be going into this, but mm -hmm. um, these women were um, women of affluence. Yeah. You know, they were women of affluence who were trying to bring equality. They were, they originally were with the abolitionists and they were trying to make all of this work all at the same time. And then abolitionists broke off this way and, and feminism, suffrage, as it was called mm -hmm. then, went off suffrage. in this direction. So, yeah, but yeah, I've got this book. Um, I can, I can create a digital library and just mail it around to everybody. I, you can mail it to yeah, me. Yeah, so the fab. Because it's really, really good. Cool. Yeah, um, I, and you know, they just had Juneteenth. Did you guys hear about that? Yeah. Yeah, that was yes. interesting. June 19th, yep. Yeah. I live in D.C. Mm -hmm. I live in D.C. Man, that's a freaking holiday here. See, Seven I've never heard of it. I've closed. never heard of it. Isn't that sad? <laughs> I wish more people knew about it, but yeah, government DC government is closed on 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 that day. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really it's really big here. It's really big here too, um, because of some locally there was a lot of there were some neighborhoods that were destroyed mm. uh, to put in highways. They were all predominantly black um, neighborhoods, and so there's a lot of 
you know, obviously they weren't together the same day, but it, it's, it, there's a lot of activity around both Juneteenth and uh, what we call Rondo Days, so, uh, which is later in the summer. So, yeah, it's, it's a big thing here, too. It's, I've known about it since I moved to the city because it's been that big. So. Yeah. What, what I think regarding, um, thir- what is it, 13th? Ju- 19th. I don't have to June 19th. Yeah. 19th. But, but um, I think that more people know about it now because of of Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just heard yeah. about it because of NPR, good old NPR, so. See, NPR knows. Mm-hmm. They're finally getting on it. But yeah, it's D.C. government, not the federal government, but D.C. government, it's a holiday. Nice. That's good. That's really nice. But It yeah. should be a holiday. It should be a national holiday. <laughs> bank holiday. Shut the banks. Down. Yeah, I can do another bank holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Always nice. So, yeah. And then I'm looking here. I'm seeing. I don't have any um, any clip about second wave feminism, but that's kind of. I mean, would you guys call that the Gloria Steinem years, the sixties? Right. Thing that that's, Ruth Bader that's Ginsburg been my understanding. Out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um, that's been my understanding. That's second wave, which is kind of sad. That means like you know, so we had mm-hmm. first wave, which was the eighteen hundreds and the nineteen, the early nineteen hundreds, and then mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Well, Civil this War, happens Jim all the Crow. Time. Yeah. You know, well, well, we had Jim Crow, and I think at a certain point it was just like once again, and I'm not knocking mm-hmm. abolition. I'm not knocking you know African American civil rights, but one thing I've always felt is that. Um, even if you look at our our amendments, women have always come after. Oh sure, yeah. they've always come at like like you know, African Americans got the right to vote before women did. And a lot of times, if you look at the history of it, I'm not resentful. I, I need to say this because this is going to be kind of controversial, but um, we've always always come in second white women have always come in second after black men when it came to certain civil rights yeah and and the the problem with that is is um even during the first wave of feminism there were black women who wanted to march with you know lucy stone and and so many others but Mm -hmm. they were told wait in line right wait wait in line Mm mm-hmm so I, I know people. If people listen to this and they're pissed off at me, I am Rain nineteen sixty seven on Twitter. Come at me. <laughs> I'm willing. I'm willing to be wrong, but um, it's it's been very frustrating to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you do bring up a good point that you know that you know white women, black women are always at the end of the line, kind of idea. Um, you know, part of the civil rights movement. I mean, if if I asked you right now to name five African, you know, in the civil rights movement, and I just mean the civil rights movement that we know, and I'm using quotations, from like 1948-ish to through the 60s, name five female um, 
civil rights leaders during that time frame, I think most people would have a really difficult time of doing that because they typically were the ones that were stuffing the envelopes, organizing in the background while they were marching and doing all that kind of thing. They were not, they did not achieve the same level as say a Martin Luther King, a Medgar Evers, that type of thing because of the fact that they were kind of looked at as here they're the secretary they get to file the paper they get to you know type up this letter to send to the president of the united states while the men folk take care of the civil rights thing now not all of them of course there were some that that did kind of float uh, or i should say come to the top and really um make a difference and through no fault of their own there was a lot that couldn't because they were held back that way um and i I know that that's also not five but i can't name five people i've met in the last three days so i did help with (laughs) google with google i can name eight (laughs) if you want me to (laughs) yes yes okay you could do that name but name them because i think these are names that people comes up yeah. Um, Diane Nash, Amelia Boynton Robinson, Daisy Bates, Fanny Lou Hamer, Joanne Robinson. Yeah. Yes, you got her night. You got her name right. Yay! Okay. What? Hamer? <laughs> Hammer? Yes. No, Most Hammer. people would say Hammer. No, there's no, there's only yeah, one M, Hammer. so I'm assuming. Um, and Yuri. It is. You're correct. Kochiyama, but you know I um. I could pretend that I knew that myself, but come on. <laughs> See, the thing is, I'm, I'm really lie. bad at I'm really bad at names, but I'm really good at remembering imagery. Yeah. And um, there is an iconic, and I looked this up because I knew what we were going to talk about for the show because we do production. Um, <laughs> is uh, there is, and and I actually got to see it a couple of weeks ago. There is. Um, very, very famous picture of Gloria Steinem and a woman called Dorothy Pittman Hughes doing the Black Power Salute from 1971. Mm-hmm. And in, in last year, these two women got together and did the same pose. Mm-hmm. In the first image, in the first image, they were both wearing white. Mm-hmm. In the second image, their clothing was both black. Hmm. And And I've said before that, you know, to me, Gloria Steinem I, I learned about feminism from second wave. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go back and do research about first wave. I'll be the first one to tell you, I'm trying to keep up with third and fourth wave. I'll tell you about third. But I, I huh? Like that's my favorite. I'll tell you about third. It, that, that's the thing. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be ignorant about it. I don't want to be, I don't want to demean it. I don't, that's my fave. I, I want to I say that I want to understand it. I'll because perhaps I'll I'm just understand. stuck in a groove. But right. uh, anyway. Yeah, I'm looking uh, at for female me, civil I think rights oh, under images. <laughs> I'm looking for female <laughs> civ- civil rights under images, but I'm not seeing the picture you, you're talking about with the white, the white power salute. But still. I, I'll, I would send it to you in our. Yeah. We have a private chat, everybody. Yeah, so and I, I shared I shared the names. Our Twitter account, yeah. Sisters Radio. And I was going to say to Rain and Susan that I shared on our private um, mm-hmm. 
Messenger that there are uh, 27 black women activists that everyone should know. One of the mm. things that some of these names will be familiar to you, like Josephine Baker, yeah. um, Ella Baker. You know, there are people in here, Mary McLeod Batune, who some may remember from, usually it's something you would read and, you know, read her literature in high school, that kind of thing. Um, but there are a lot of people in in that list. And I think their contributions sometimes fall by the wayside. Shirley Chisholm, the first black woman who ran for uh, yes, president. He is. Um, right. right. Yeah. So there, I mean, Angela Davis, who I adore, um, she's strong black woman. So and then Marion Wright Edelman, which some of us may remember from um, the Children's Defense Fund. So there are a lot of women that we forget because the people we, and this is something we all need to remember if we count ourselves as feminists, do not forget that there are, with every time you see, and this is really for any civil rights organization, anytime you see someone on television and that's the face of that organization or that movement, understand mm -hmm. that, that there are people on the ground working tirelessly, not sleeping, not eating, to get this information out and to get it going. And a lot of those people tend to be people of color as well. So sure. um, I think it's pretty important. The, the 27 is probably something we could share on our Facebook page and on Twitter. Um, yeah. It just gives, and just so you know, it gives a very short biography of each of these women, uh, what they accomplished. So, um, but I think it's important. And these are through all the waves we're discussing today. First wave, mm -hmm. second wave, third wave, fourth wave, they are all there and they have, you know, in some cases they sacrifice hugely for their cause. So um, this has nothing to do with hating men. That's no. not what the feminist no. movement is. The <laughs> feminist being equal. That there are some people out there who think that way. Unfortunately, and I'm right. related to them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah being <laughs> equal does not mean I hate someone. You know, it's it's the idea that I mean it, it makes zero sense to me. It's like if I said uh, if I, if it's I make a hundred thousand dollars a year, Heidi, Heidi, and it's I'm, not even just right. hating men. Mm -hmm. It's the idea that there there is a segment of people out there who think that feminism is about only women, and yeah. they hate everything and everyone else mm-hmm and that, that's that's and, a real and i'll and i've got some information apparently they're called turfs oh my god how can you be a feminist why do you hate men well do you do you know what a turf is that's, that's that's the point that i'm trying to make it's hmm? more than just about people thinking that feminists hate men yeah there are a right. really large portion of people out there who think that feminists hate everybody except women yeah, yeah which is ridiculous because if that was true i would have voted for sarah palin so <laughs> let's get that let's get that off the, or michelle bachman for god's fucking sake pardon my french yeah. um no that's not how it works that's not how it works yeah. um and it's it seems like it's a very selfish viewpoint that everything revolves around men and anything that's looking to make anything equal means that i'm against something no i'm for something and that's something that needs to 
you know, be addressed. If you're thinking that someone that wants to be equal to you, someone somehow hates you, your worldview is screwed up. Mm-hmm. It's not about you. It's about being equal. Mm-hmm. Everyone equal. The, not the, just you. On, on the other hand, <laughs> yes, it's about it's yes, it's about, you know, trying to make sure everybody's equal. But I think at a certain point, um, and, and and like I said a few minutes ago, I don't know about third wave. I, I want to learn more. I know I'll some. Tell I'll tell you. But I know. You. I know you will. I want to know. <laughs> okay. Okay. But but the thing is, this, the second part of this is is just, it's not making everybody know this is what you want. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, because of the way our society is, it is also about kind of convincing people and kind of, you know, it, winning them over to a different point of view. Sure. Yeah. And and I bring that up because we were talking about first wave. Mm-hmm. I don't know how good second wave did it succeeding at that because now we're dealing with the we are I think we are dealing with the backlash of that. But yeah. first wave well, feminism. Wait, wait, wait. I, 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 wait, 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 wait. Oh. I, let me let me finish my thought, please. Mm-hmm. First wave feminism, like I said, it started out with abolition and then it kind of broke off into two forks in the road. But the women that were, you know, the ladies of Seneca Falls is a I mean that's where there was the women's convention. They went out and they tried they tried and I think in the end, considering where we are today, we want to be farther along, but they convinced people. They won yeah. over hearts and minds and that's important. Yeah. So go ahead, Heidi. But I, go ahead. Well what I was gonna say about the second second wave is if you ask, say, a hundred people that were around during that time frame like experience it, what are they going to tell you about the second wave of feminism? One of the things that they would most likely bring up is stuff like, you know, burn your bra, I mean, which is great, right? Mm-hmm. It was a symbol. It's radical. But I think what, right, but what occurred was, it, and I, and I don't come at me, or you can come at me, so just <laughs> understand where I'm going to go. Um, it became almost a joke, you know, um, I mean, it, it really, it, and not to me, By but whom? when you think about second wave feminism, that is what you will hear is, oh, that was the burn the bra thing. I mean, when, I was in, when I was in college, we had a, a woman's studies class. Um, I was this close to doing women's, women's studies as a, as a minor or major, but decided against it, which, you know. So, um, but one of the things that they talked about was, what do you know about feminism? And I remember, and this is a class pretty much all women, mm-hmm. and most of them would bring up the, well, I know it's the, you know, the burn the bra, and the, you know, that it's, it's a liberation kind of thing, and, you know, I can do whatever I want with my body, which is important, but it was, it became like all that movement was about to some people was that, um, women wanted the right for abortion and women wanted to not have to shave their armpits and <laughs> burn their bra, which is sad because that is not, that is like the, the basis level to what they were doing, which is yeah. sad that that's what so many people think of. Um, Can I ask you something? Yeah. Who framed that argument? 
What, the other class. argument? That that's what it was? Yeah. That was you, how it was portrayed back in the back in the day during the time of the second wave. Um, okay. One of the All things right. that we were doing in this particular class where we discussed it was look at media, print media, um, television media, um, and books, you know, all kinds of books, Betty Friedan, that kind of thing. Where were they looking at about the feminist movement at that time? And it was mostly at the time that our bodies, ourselves, our, yeah. our physical being, um, and everything else was secondary. Now, that is not me assuming that that is true, but that was how it was framed back in the day. And I remember vividly them talking about that particular thing and how does it, how does it matter today when mm -hmm. I had the class and how will it matter in the future? Where will this go? Um, and I mean, and that can be an issue and that's an issue in that. Right. I, I mean, I that's a problem. Please, please let me jump in here, please. <laughs> Heidi, I, I, because the, the reason why I asked you that question, and, and I'm going to answer my own question, <laughs> that response, the bra burning, that it was a joke, and all of that other stuff was literally framed by men and patriarchy and, and women who had husbands who were, you know, supporting them, and they didn't like that. This of is course. patriarchy. Right. That was what I was saying. I, I don't think it was a joke, and I don't think you think it was a joke. No, either. me neither. No, it's no. Really, oh, I'm just it, telling you what, right? What we were talking about, right? I, the, the point that I was trying to make is that it's really important to point out that time and time again, so many of these, so many of these waves mm -hmm. are put down because of of the fact that men are really uncomfortable with women saying, you know what, you don't get to tell us how we're supposed to be, and so. Like I, I, I said it earlier, I don't know if I don't know if second wave feminism was as effective as it could be. I didn't live during that time. I only yeah. learned from that time. I didn't live. I, I was born in 1970. Um, I want to yeah, say real quick, one of my favorite um, second wave feminists on a personal level was Erica Jong, um, who wrote Fear of Flying. Yes. I love that mm -hmm. book. Um, yes, yes. But what they you have to understand the 60s and the 70s were a radical time it wasn't just feminism that was being radical a lot of things they thought that being really yes. radical and on the verge of violence would cause change great change and i see the anarchist bent i like it but in reality that's why it got disregarded because it was too radical you know, and it's like the violence is never, you know, like the civ in the civil rights movement, they were doing nonviolent protesting. That is going to be respected more, I think, than any kind of violence. Um, but yeah, the, the second wave feminists are sometimes called TERFs, um, trans-exclusive radical feminists. And I didn't know this terminology, TERFs. Um, and a good yeah. example of that is Valerie Solanas. Um, who shot Andy Warhol? If you've ever seen that movie, I shot Andy Warhol. My she, God, that woman kills me. Oh I my know. God. Yes, I have. She. Oh, yeah. She, I think, was one of the most damaging people to our movement. Exactly. She very damaging, very mm. violent. She had a. Yes. A, what is it called? A manifesto, that was just yes. You know that I think 
there there are a lot of things that happened in the 60s that people Americans were just like people were trying for violent uh, radical change and they got disregarded and I think I think I think that America learned from that in some ways I hope but um yeah so that's my that's my I'm really throw-in. glad you brought her up that was, yeah. that's a really important you know what? And I didn't even think about it until you guys were talking, and I was like, "That's a good example of, of someone," because I'm I'm a big Andy Warhol fan, actually. <laughs> but um, it was, and and you know, I used and, to live across the street from him. Oh, really? Are you Where? gonna play it? Huh? In, in in Union Square in New York. Really? Yes. What we year? The getting t- I never saw him. It was in the 80s. But yeah. actually, it wasn't necessarily across the street from him, but it was across the street from the factory. Oh, my God. I totally yeah. would have loved. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't even explain to you. All right, I'll... There's getting a- to know you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, when I... W- well, that happened. He died in... Not from being shot, but he died in, I think, 1987, or I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, that's all I wanted to go do, is go to New York and buy a cookie jar. And then they went for, like, $500 a pop, which was real money to me as a teenager. <laughs> so You know what, Suze? I'm just going to divert really quickly from our discussion. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think somewhere I have some of the late or the mid-80s interview magazines. Oh, I've got all of them. Pass- Oh, okay, so you don't like need any of them. Years, I got New York. Years of them, like that was the like highlight of my, you know. But she, my she was days. I don't even want to know. I, I think that she might have had some mental problems, but her manifesto really turned a lot of people off. Yeah. In in much much the same way, I think that Camille Paglia, my mm-hmm. same name, might. Yeah. She turned a lot of people off later in the 80s. Was it the mm-hmm. 80s? Yeah. I, I, I have to I, look it up because I didn't follow her too much either. You know, I want to be radical with feminism. But yeah. I also know that, you know, you still have to deal with the world that you live in. And I think, and this is me, maybe I've gotten more mellow about some of it. Mm-hmm. But I I do feel like it might be easier to change things from within than from outside throwing rocks to the inside. Yeah. Like you mentioned anarchists. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, what do you, you know, think, Heidi? I joke about anarchy, but I mean, come on, I'm not, I'm not a violent person. Am I, you know, it doesn't really get you anywhere. I think, but what do you think, Heidi? Well, anar- well, I used to know a lot of anarchists. I hung around with a lot of anarchists <laughs> back in the day when I was, you know, you know, not burning the bra because I'm not that old. And <laughs> considering my my chest burning the bra would not be a good idea. <laughs> but what I would what I would say is anarchy really doesn't do anything. Um, being completely anti-government doesn't yeah. help a situation. And I get it, you know. And I know that's a blanket statement that there's other, you know, there's situations where you have to be. But if I'm talking about, and let's be honest, we don't know where this is going, our current uh, twat in the White House. <laughs> um, but 
I, you know, uh, anarchy as a movement is not something that works. If you're just looking at the movement historically, um, you, what are you going to do at the end of the day if you if you win? It's not going to work. You have to have some sort of organization for the people. You are not an island unto yourself. Um, Can I tell you, know, you something like funny? I got to tell you something really funny. When I was in college, I went down to the laundry room. <laughs> And I swear to God, in the graffiti mm-hmm. in the laundry room was this thing called, somebody wrote on the wall, Anarchists Unite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I mean, to this day, and they were in the, okay. it's still brilliant. That was the most brilliant thing. That was 1986. And I'm like, yeah, that's the so problem right there. So let, me, let me understand this. Yes. So yes. you were. So you are in a communal, let me understand this, laundry room. <laughs> and so... I, I, again, I mentioned to everybody before, I went to art school. My art school didn't have dorms. So what yeah. the school did is they rented out floors at a YMCA. <laughs> what? So it was, it was also... Was Do you have a song? Do you have a song? Huh? YMCA. I said you have the song. YMCA. Oh man. Sorry. International. We had. We had. It was a hostel. Yeah. You know, so international students could come in, and I went to Parsons, and we had two floors. The School of Visual Arts rented, I think, one floor. Um, the Fashion Institute, New York City Fashion Institute, rented another floor, and then there was the hostel floors, and then there was also the homeless floors. Hmm. Wow. That's where I went to college. Yeah. And so going down and seeing this on the laundry room, Anarchists Unite, I was like, dude, y'all can't even find people a home. <laughs> but Anarchists Unite is still one of my favorite slogans ever because anarchists are not, <laughs> are not organized, like you were no. saying. No, they're not. <laughs> you know, they they're they are agent they are agents of chaos and, and Yes. I, I just it could be because I think maybe younger people think chaos is a good way to solve things. But, but no. I, no, it's not. I, so I don't think it is. The best I, I used to have a cover because, on my Facebook page and it was a picture and it had spray painted spread anarchy. Okay. It just <laughs> said spread anarchy. And under that, someone wrote, don't tell me what to do. See? And I thought that was like so awesome. Perfect. Don't tell me what to do. It's perfect. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> I wonder if that's in t-shirt form. I would love that as a t-shirt. Well, maybe I'll we put can a resist your sister t-shirts with that. Yeah, with that on it. That's amazing. <laughs> Spit anarchy. Don't tell me what to do. Good. Damn it. I hate you. Stop it. <laughs> so anyway, third. Stupid. Uh, we've got about five minutes, but, um, so maybe I should save, uh, third wave feminism. I really want to know about this. I'm sorry for Okay, so I'm going to talk, we're going to, I'm going to end off, I'm going to talk about, um, Naomi Wolf. She had a book called The Beauty Myth, I think it was, in 1990. I have that book. Oh, well, then you know more than you think you know. Don't you (laughs) say you don't know anything. didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, so let me, See? let me, here she's going to talk. You know a lot of stuff. But I remember kind of making it up. You know, for me, I hadn't heard it before. 
um, when I was finishing my first book, The Beauty Myth, and it, it was kind of an early exercise in uh, if you build it, they will come thinking, because at the time I wrote The Beauty Myth, everyone was saying feminism is dead, no one's interested, um, it's over, and in fact there wasn't a lot of, there was almost no activity on the part of young women especially. And second wave feminists were, you know, their mom's age. So I said at the end of the book, you know, there's going to be this third wave of feminism. And I sort of was hoping, well, you know, if I say it, maybe someone will join up, you know. And of course, other people like Rebecca Walker were also using the phrase at the, about the same time. What's the definition? I, you know, I don't think it really needs to have a rigorous definition. I've never been one who's a fan of labels. To me, it just means women who are younger substantially younger than second wave feminists, you know, does that generation of third and probably now fourth wave feminists have different, uh, a different style in their feminism? I think there's some differences and they're good differences. I think third wave feminism tends to be much more pluralistic about sexuality and personal expression and, you know, fashion choices and much less dogmatic, which I think is great. So, yeah, there's Naomi Wolf. Wow. And then in the early 90s they started bust magazine it started out as a zine which has been going towards since the early 90s and um i have some information um from kathleen hannah who was a riot girl and um about you know different things that she experienced and i i think i mean Maybe you have more opinions on Naomi Wolf than I do, but I, things kind of, it, it went into rock and roll because I think rock and roll was kind of an unsafe environment in a lot of ways. <laughs> and um, they kind of moved, moved things around, you know, and I think the subculture had become very unfriendly. <laughs> so, but For women. Um, yeah. Oh, definitely for women. Yeah. I, I think it was okay for men. I think they were fine. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of men got raped. <laughs> not in the mosh pit. Not, no. that, not <laughs> if any man got raped, I'm still a sad. I, I know but, of a man that's been raped. I but you know, tell I you all know that. what I'm saying. Yeah, it doesn't happen that much. It's, it's rare. And it's not still. to dismiss any rape. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so you, you have the Naomi Wolf book? Yeah, I do. I got a, I got a lot of books here, man. <laughs> That's the first it. thing yes. that gets boxed up yes. when you move. The irony is that book was given to me mm. by my gay male friend. Aw. It's like, you should read this book, Rain. It would help you when <laughs> I was going through some tough times in my life. And yeah. it did. It made me realize, you know what? I can just be me. Not in like a 70s, you know, you be you, you, be, you know. Yeah. This, this whole Cat, idea. You're of, getting Cat, yeah. singing, Cat Stevens singing through my head. If you want to <laughs> be you, be you. Sorry. That's okay. Um. Heidi, are you there? Yeah. I thought we were going to break. <laughs> we pretty much are. We pretty much quiet. are. I was quiet because I was like, oh, we're going to break. So, All right. <laughs> well, let's go to a break and um, okay. play the Kimmy Schmidt. And we'll come back on third wave feminists and then fourth wave 
which Google tells me happened in 2012. And then some opinions on um, fourth wave feminists, because they're on the internet. And uh, then some things about rape culture. And okay. All right, here we go. You're listening to Resistor Sisters. Remember what De Beaufort wrote in Le Deuxième Sex? The concept of woman is a myth invented to oppress us. Man, you guys are so smart. Oops, I just called you guys guys. Sorry. And can I say man? Boy, this is hard. Now I said boy. Oh, brother, help me. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with Resistor Sisters. Hi, this is Tim Coramall from The Tim Coramall Show, and you are listening to IndieMediaWeekly.com. Extraterrestrial radio, all the power without the tower. Well, hello there. This is Kenny Pick. Thanks for listening to Indie Media Weekly. Be sure to check out my show, Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. For those who dare... I'm Rick Beatty. And I'm Nick Sadler. And I am Jody Hamilton. We are From the Bunker. So we do a one-hour weekly podcast. Where we get to speak our mind about stuff from a liberal perspective. We will be on Indie Media Weekly Saturdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. We are so excited. If you don't have any right-wing friends, you'll feel at home with us. From the Bunker. With Jody Hamilton. Nick Sadler. And Richard Beatty. On Indie Media Weekly Saturdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. This is Adam Hebert. On every episode of Mike Check Radio, me and my co-hosts are not only committed to telling you about the latest political news, but also about the latest nerd news as well. Whether it's the latest scientific discovery, the new season of anime, the ending of a cherished manga, or the latest in comics, television, or movies, my show is guaranteed to bring you something that will make your inner nerd go squee! So be sure to tune in to Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert live every Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, only on Indie Media Weekly. IndieMediaWeekly.com. Extraterrestrial Radio. All the power without the tower. Get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. Listen to Paul's Memory Bank live every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern right here on Indie Media Weekly. Your DJ, Paul, will serve up a mix of classic rock, pop, and novelty music all tied together with a weekly theme. That's Paul's Memory Bank every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern exclusively on Indie Media Weekly. Extraterrestrial radio. All the power without the tower. Hey, this is Brad Friedman from bradblog.com and the Bradcast, heard right here on Indie Media Weekly. Thanks for supporting truly independent media, right here on Indie Media Weekly. Light out, everybody. Every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, Indie Media Weekly presents the Sci-Fi Double Feature with two old-time radio shows from the science fiction and horror genre. The Sci-Fi Double Feature every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern right here on Indie Media Weekly. This is Indie Media Weekly, extraterrestrial radio, all the power without the tower. 
Resistor Sisters. Destroying the patriarchy one podcast at a time. Here we are, destroying the patriarchy. Defining feminism today. Heidi in Minnesota. Hello. Uh, the first half. Oh, we talked hey. about. Sorry. <laughs> the first half sorry. we talked about. I first... muted. I'm sorry. I muted for the for the. <laughs> I'm sorry. It oh, I'm just a wreck. I'm so sorry. So anyway, um, <laughs> Heidi and and myself, we were discussing first and second wave and third wave feminism, and it got a little exciting and fun, and everybody was throwing in their feelings and and more more information, and it's great. And I've also got Rain here in D.C. Hi. This is, we're going to be taking a break from destroying the patriarchy because we're going on a summer hiatus. Yes, exactly. um, Actually, we're not going to take a break. We're going to just start destroying it in private. Yes, we've when got we come, personal when we things. Come back, we'll tell you all about hijinks. And, you uh, know what? But before we destroy the patriarchy, we, we realized... I realized, did we ever really define it? No, not really. So um, <laughs> I'm going to go back to this. Now, when we were talking about third wave feminism, I think about Bikini Kill and Kathleen Hanna, along with Bust magazine. Um, but actually, she did a, a little quick quote that made me think of you, Rain, and I'm going to play it real quick. Trying to not be as extremely bossy, and I say that with love towards myself. Um, I don't know what the fuck to say. I'm bossy. Aww. Don't you say you're bossy sometimes? No. No? <laughs> you do. No, I never admit that. You do. No, I'm bo- I am bossy. I am bossy. Well, Kathleen Hannah felt that she was bossy too, but she says she, it with love towards I- herself. That's the thing. I I gotta tell you, when I when I was in in the professional field, when I was an art director and a production manager for for graphic design and different things, it was my job to be bossy because I was um, the boss. Yeah, and it was really difficult because a lot of my a lot of people who worked for me were men, and I used to say look, I know I sound bossy, but it's it's my job. I need you to do this by this time. And at the time, you know, it was difficult. Does that make sense? I hope that makes no, sense. No, totally. But that, that's, that's the essence of what we're talking about. You can talk about feminism. You can talk about different things coming out and people talking about this and that. But when it comes down to it and you've got to be the boss of a bunch of dudes, that's when it becomes all real, you know? That's like the. And real I gotta situation. say, the other part of it is, I had some other, I had some women who worked for me. They didn't like that I was the boss because yeah. they wanted to be the, you know, in charge of themselves. Sure. I didn't. I don't want to say they were the bosses, but you know, they didn't. It. This maybe third wave is a lot more confusing than I thought it was because I do remember saying to, I remember one woman in particular. I said, mm-hmm. "Look, no, this is exactly what you need to do," and she was like. I know. And I was like, do you understand that I need this done by, say, 3 o'clock? And I knew that this particular woman could get this done. Mm-hmm. She didn't like to have a woman boss. Yep. 
that's something I have experienced a number of times in my life. Yeah, that's when it comes into the real world, you know, and it becomes more of just we're writing a novel or, you know, a movie or something that we look at like, oh, this is an idea of life. Now this is real life. This is what's really happening. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, Maybe so, I didn't understand third wave because I was right in the middle of it, living it, not yeah. even knowing what it was. Yeah. Well, here's the the thing is when Bikini Kill came out and uh, it was in the 90s and Riot Girl, you know, was this thing that came out and people were like, they felt that the girls should come forward towards the stage, you know, and um, like where they were safer. And they, they talk about like, she talks about like different guys that were kind of skeevy in the subculture and she encouraged women to start their own bands and that's one of the things like even heart you remember heart um mm -hmm. they they took a lot of shit going out and and being two women in a band two sisters in a band and when when the one um guitarist with the dark hair gained weight they got yes she got so much crap for that and it's like okay she got totally fat shamed and it's not like she got she got fat shamed so much more than a lot of like rock and roll stars. Meatloaf. Y'all got Meatloaf. Well yeah. Meatloaf has a penis. Yeah. Like but, but it was <laughs> well, amazing. Lynn Wilson has vagina. Yeah. But right, it was Lynn just, Wilson, right? Yeah, Lynn and uh I forget the other and Lynn and Anne. Yeah, Ann Wilson. Ann. But they got so much crap. Like it was just and they were like, Oh, you know, they like rumors were spread about them because people were men were uncomfortable about women in rock. Even though they were just playing music, they really weren't coming forward and being terribly political, but they just got a bunch of shit. So let me Here's um, the thing. I, I gotta say this. They didn't just play rock and they weren't just women playing rock. They played guitar. Yeah. Better than a hell of a lot of men out there. Oh, yeah. Better than everybody in punk. Everybody in punk. Point, but punk sucks. Yeah. That's why I to like it. To the point it. where Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. <laughs> do you remember when they went on their Led Zeppelin tour? Yeah. I think Led so. Zeppelin was like, yeah, I got to give you props. You guys killed it. Yeah. Y'all can look it up. Trust yeah. me on this. Okay. I believe you. All right. So I'm going to do the I've, uh, this Kathleen... Hannah Riot Girl talking about Riot Girl when she was interviewed. It was really positive for me to like write about my actual growing up because a lot of times, like I kind of came out of the domestic violence, like rape crisis phones community, and that was why I even started a band was because everybody was saying feminism was dead. I had just found it, and I was like, if feminism doesn't need to exist anymore, and we live in a post-sexist society, why is the shelter always too full? Yeah. Why are people like two families sharing a room? And why is the crisis, rape crisis phone just ringing off the hook all night long? And that was really the impetus to kind of get on stage. And then I really enjoyed counseling kids and stuff through letters and all this stuff, but you can't do surgery on yourself. And, you know, I'm sitting here like bleeding out basically emotionally through all the contact I'm having with other people who've experienced abuse or having problems with their family because they're coming out or like, I'm just like not taking care of my own yeah. business. And um, I think it's really, it's like that thing of how when you teach, you learn. 
is really true. And so I think that stuff really benefited me a lot. And I thank all the people who shared their stories with me. But like, it also just really messed me up because, you know, now I'm in my 40s and I'm still dealing with stuff that happened in my childhood that made me think like, I didn't deserve to get better when I was sick or I don't deserve to be on tour with these awesome people or I don't deserve to get paid this amount or whatever. And I had to kind of be like, where did that come from? Where did it come from? Was it, so you were, was your father just belittling you or what was the? Yeah, he's like a super dick. Like, am I allowed to curse? Yes, constantly, oh. go for it. He's a motherfucker. <laughs> he was a real mean drunk and he had a lot of guns. You know, just lots of incidents with like, oh, dad's drunk, you know, wandering around outside the house shooting the gun and oh will we, you know, should we get on the floor? Like that kind of, and my mom's kind of like, I don't remember it like that. And I'm like, that's because you were an adult. Like I was a child. And so like once some weird ass thing happened where dad's drunk waving the gun around, for the rest of my childhood, I went to bed every night and thought, he's just going to come in here and blow my head off. Because he seemed like that kind of person, like he didn't think we were real people. We were just a reflection of him when wanted. My dad has some really great qualities, but he can share those with his friends wherever he is. But he crossed a line with me, yeah. and so he can, you know, burn in hell also. So you haven't made peace with him or confronted him? I have no it. interest in it. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the worst things that people who abuse us, especially family members, do is, you know, I have to look at my dad in the face because my face looks like my dad's and I see him every day. I'm like, oh, am I him? Am I not him? And that's bullshit. I've worked so hard to not be that kind of person. So I, I liked a lot. I, I just think it's amazing how many topics she brought up. Um, there's a documentary called The Punk Singer. It came out in 2013 and it's just, it's her story. But um, I found it really interesting that she said, you know, you can't do surgery yourself. You have to take care of yourself. You know, so I think that's something we all have to think about. Oh, I don't. Hmm? I don't. don't. She just, I don't have to think about it. She described my yeah. relationship with father. Yeah. I mean, that's... That, well, I thought of you when I was recording that. I mean, I knew that some of the things that she talked about, but that's like when her band came out in the 90s, kids would write. I didn't know that about her. Yeah, kids would write to her like like they do every band and, you know, talk about things that had happened. And she was basically, you know, talking to all these these kids that were having all these problems, you know, and it really, her band really appealed to them, so... I think, then, you know, I don't know her music very well personally. I'll be honest with that. But um, the the one place where I, as I listened to that, I know I, I took a separate turn is that I did confront my father. Um, mm -hmm. And I did try to maintain a relationship with him, knowing that he knew, he knew how I felt. And I kn knew how he felt. Um... And I don't know if it was necessarily um, a fake relationship. It was me sort of, not even pretending. I almost said pretending. I just wanted to keep, because you know what? I think dads and moms are important. Sure. I mean, you spend um, a lot of time with them, you know? But uh, 
yeah, what she said is really, really hit home. It was really hard. Yeah, and, and like I was I said, only good. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't want to. Go ahead. No, you guys I'm, go. I'm just going to throw out. If you don't know her music, there's one song that Bikini Kill does. It's very pop. It's called Rebel Girl. And it's kind of, you know, a third wave feminist anthem, I'd say. It's really easy to listen to. And it's really. Is that the same girl. song that I've. Is that the same song that I've seen a video of with Hillary Clinton? I don't know. I don't know. I think it is. Is it Rebel Girl? Yeah. Yeah, I want to show yeah. you clothes. Rebel B- Girl. Yeah. I think I think that's the same one that somebody put to a bunch of images with Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. And the, the start is, she says, that girl thinks she's the queen of the neighborhood. That girl's got the hottest trike in town. <laughs> that girl yeah, holds I think that's her head the same up one. so high. You've heard it. It's a good song. You know, it makes me happy. Um, but yeah, then, you know, it's just, the, the documentary is, is really interesting, but I think that's a really good point. Like if feminism was, was dead in 2000 and in 1990, then why are the shelters filled? Why is the rape crisis, you know, um, right? Why is the rape crisis line always busy? There are always these problems and it's, it's hard because I think at that stage in the 90s we were like okay we talked about these things we know these things are happening they won't happen anymore but they're still happening so it's like it's you know you can't just say there are all these problems of society you can't just name them and have them solve themselves and I think that's kind of the thing that we're discovering as people when we're coming out into this new century that different things have to be done so we're eight years into this new century for fuck's sakes 18 (laughs) (laughs) but i I 18 i'm sorry yeah you see (laughs) oh i wish it was just 2008 i want to change so many things (laughs) oh my god oh all right forget it i don't want to think about that um (laughs) there's so many things i wouldn't have wasted my time on um just a little time machine here. So I think that's that's kind of what I have on third wave. Um, oh, okay. You know maybe I am third wave, and I might not be perfect third wave, but God yeah. damn it, Suze. It's, it's fascinating. So you, you were like, what is third wave? Who cares? Then you're like, well, I get it. That's interesting. Now, this is something that um, I recorded from uh, Spinal Tap, <laughs> the movie. You guys have seen that. <laughs> Like, I've had this recorded forever, and I think it's the funniest thing, um, but I've never played it. Like, it's been staring at me in the face for the longest time, and it's 12 seconds. Um. Sexist. Well, so what? What's wrong with being sexy? I mean, there's no... Sexist. So, do you guys, do you guys, have you ever seen Spinal Tap? A long, long time ago. Yeah, so basically he goes sexist their their album cover was a picture of um a man holding up a glove to a woman and asking her to sniff the and it's called sniff the glove and they're like sexist what do you mean what's wrong with being sexy no it's sexist not sexy so basically they're talking about these guys in the rock and roll world that don't know the difference between what's sexy and what's sexist (laughs) 
I don't know. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's funny to me. It's good. Because they're, they're not, they're not the real smart, you know, in, in Spinal Tap. They're not real smart. That's no. the whole thing in the whole no. damn movie. No. They're not really bright. Yeah. They're not college-educated guys, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, not by a long shot. Not really. And I think that's kind of um, what third-wave feminism is, is saying. Like, I think second-wave, some of the... If you've ever, ever tried to, you probably have read them, Rain, but Simon, Simone de Beauvoir's The Second Sex, I couldn't really get through it, you know? I did like, not. Yeah. <laughs> I, did I mean, not. that's the thing. It's kind of like that generation, or they were influenced by people older than them, had a very um, prose-like way of speaking, and now people are just, they're cutting through all that. You know, there's no flowery um, thesis. Like, it doesn't sound like your college thesis, you know. But I think they wrote more like that, <laughs> yes. you know. Mm. Yes. But, um, okay. And then um, if we go on to uh, uh, fourth wave feminism, Google says it happened in 2012. What are the kids oh, doing? good what lord. What are the kids doing? I don't know, but thank God I have YouTube to find out. Um, so basically, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> you, you don't careful. have to leave There's your a lot house. of rabbit holes on. There's a lot of rabbit holes on uh, on, on uh, YouTube. You have to be careful with that. Yeah. Well, there's this this girl, and her name is Marina. Shut up. <laughs> so um, basically, she is um, talking about different the three different kinds of modern feminisms and i i told you about the um the turfs she told me about that terminology called uh trans exclusive radical feminists so, yeah they're bad people yeah they're they're well they're really like <sighs> they might have well, started out with good intentions but exactly. why did they double down yeah well the road to hell is paved with good intentions i like to think that a lot <laughs> i mean just, you know they started out where they were these mm -hmm. are second wave feminists and then i guess when third and fourth wave came along they they doubled down and yeah. it's like don't do that yeah and they're, they're the ones that say that all sex involving a penis is rape and as you know it's not <laughs> yeah like like the chick who shot andy warhol yeah, Valerie Solanus. Yeah, so she's an example of a turf. Um, all right, so anyway, let me have this fourth wave feminist YouTuber explaining um, turfs. Turfs are like the estranged family members of feminism that we all try to pretend don't exist, but unfortunately have left a permanent tarnish on the family name. Hated by feminists and anti-feminists alike, TERFs have the rare quality of being able to piss off everyone equally. If you're sitting there asking like yourself, uncle. what the fuck is a TERF, <laughs> then I sincerely envy you. TERF stands for trans-exclusive radical feminists, which means pretty much exactly what it sounds like. Often born out of second wave radical feminist ideology, TERFs accuse trans women of perpetuating gender roles and invading women's safe spaces. They don't view trans women as real women because equating women with their genitals is like a real great way to fight patriarchy or something. 
pleasant. Turfs have historically fought for cis women's only spaces, but don't call them cis because they prefer the word normal. However, trans men and non-binary people are chill, as long as you have a vagina. There's often overlap between turfism and political lesbianism. These are the types of feminists that might have argued that all sex with a penis involved is rape and that women should become lesbians to seclude themselves from male-dominated society. <sighs> Thank you, second wave feminism. It's kind of like a reverse Wonder Woman narrative. These are your old school Sheila Jeffries or more modern examples are people like Megan Murphy who famously called trans women cartoonish versions of women. Ugh. So yeah. What did I just, what the hell did I just listen to? Oh my God. That is, <laughs> that is a girl on a uh, lady, a lady on YouTube called Marina Shut Up. <laughs> And she's explaining what uh, a turf is. And I think she's influenced oh. by more, like, you know, how YouTube is the hive of scum and devility. And people do speak oh. out quite a bit. But she's talking about one kind of wave of feminism that's happening now. So, well, one kind of feminism. Oh. Sorry, so, I'm going to do my Marge Simpson groan. Oh. <laughs> well, it gets a little more pop. There's also pop feminism. This one is... Oh, my favorite. Yes. Okay. Not Jesus. So let's explain, let me explain this real quick. Two, pop feminism. If I had to compare pop feminism to a Starbucks drink, I would compare it to that one rainbow unicorn frappuccino that sold out really quickly because everyone needed to go buy one and post pictures to their Instagram. It's flashy and it looks nice, but does it actually taste good? I think this comparison is a particularly good example because at the end of the day, pop feminism is all about making a bunch of money. Examples of pop feminism include BuzzFeed, the Always Run Like a Girl campaign, Kylie Jenner solving racism, and pretty much everything Taylor Swift has ever done. Ever. Pop feminism lacks substance, is easily marketable, and its main purpose is to promote products or brands. So. Have a Coke and a smile, peeps. Oh no, wait, that was Pepsi. That was Pepsi. Yeah. Kylie was Pepsi. Sorry, oh, yeah. Coca-Cola. I guess we lost that sponsorship, peeps. <laughs> we, we, we have no sponsorship here at Resistor Sisters whatsoever. <laughs> oh, Nobody's uh, paying us to say shit. Um, yeah, so nobody's yeah, paying the us. Feminism, I, I sort of feel like, you know, I think that they mean well. Yeah, yeah. But, but back it up. What, let's back it up with something. I am not that annoyed by Taylor Swift. She doesn't. I I kind of like. No, I'm not either. Yeah, Taylor I don't Swift mind her. Sued the fuck out of somebody who touched her ass. Who did? And she won. Who did? Taylor Swift. Oh, did she? Who touched her ass? Yes. I I think some radio dude. Oh, see, I I forgot that. But see, that's the thing. Like she. Um, not a Taylor Swift fan, by the way. I'm not either, like, what, but, you know, the kids really like it. Um, <laughs> like, you should have seen this downtown, like, when um, she came a couple years ago. First of all, she had on her vans painted, well, you know, whatever you do to a van, Taylor Swift, 1989, which makes me feel ancient because she's born in 1989 and I was 19 in 1989. 
Yeah, that kind of pisses me off. That's crazy. But that's I get it. I'm not I'm not 19 anymore. I get it. Um but then it's like I do like the way she does hang with her girls and now when she was dating a lot and I'm not a big fan of um you know, tabloid tabloid crap. But they were just like she's dating this person, she's dating this person. It's like she was saying, "You know what?" Um, a lot of singers date a lot of different people. Why are they slut-shaming me? And I'm like, yeah, why do they do that? Like, who the hell cares who she's dating? Let her do it. Let her try to be happy, you know? And it is. Like, they, they're not, um... I forget who she was opening with. That guy that sings the songs in He's English. But, um, you know... <laughs> That doesn't yeah. really narrow it down much. Yeah, um, I know, I am. So I'm, I'm, still to, I'm still trying to understand why she's a pop feminist. Oh, because um, she says she's is, a feminist. This, that's why. Because she says she is. So, you know, that's... that's. And and she's blonde, and she's young, and she's white, and she's cute. Well, well I mean, and she does have a girl I mean, gang, you know. I mean, if, you know. I mean, if Rihanna said what she said, people would just... Dis- you know, some people would dismiss her. I prefer, I, I think Rihanna is a much better singer than, you know, and Beyonce and those people, it, you know, or I shouldn't say those people, but um, Destiny's Child people. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I've never, I don't know. I mean, uh, Taylor Swift, it, I mean, maybe I'm, I, maybe it's just me, but it, she seems so 90210 to me. So, yeah. Uh, so okay, it's Tori Spelling, and and I think the question you know, I, I want to ask new is, dog. I don't know. The question I want to ask is, um, I'm not a fan of Taylor Swift's music. I, I think she's a fine human being. I don't understand why. Uh, and and I really love the woman that you're playing. I just want to put this out there because I've watched a whole bunch of her videos. Really? Um, yeah, I, think I, she's, I like her. I did. I think she's on point. She can have the, the torch. Th- Here you go, baby. Have the torch. I care I nothing. I didn't understand why she threw Taylor Swift into pop feminism because it ain't like the always girls with the you mean the spice run like girls? a girl thing. Oh, the always. No, the always okay. run like a yeah. girl. Taylor um, Swift's a person. She's not a pop. She's a person. So what? She's not what, a Barbie doll, right? Right. She's not a she's not a Barbie doll. She's, uh, but th- that's the thing. Like, I think there is pop feminism because in the last four years, and I've noticed this, like um, a lot of different singers that are women's, you know, girl, lady singers, which I love any music that a woman pretty much is singing because I like female voices. Yeah. Like Beyonce has come forward and saying you know, what being a feminist means to her. But a lot of people, I think you can say pop feminism is shallow, but I think it's finally taking the word feminist and making it not a dirty word. Yeah. Because when conservatives would come out and say, yeah, like they're saying, hey, that's what I'm a feminist, you know, and I appreciate that, you know. I guess the thing is, well, I, I don't, I, you know, in what we just heard, I, I'm sorry to distract from it, but no. I, I feel like why maybe maybe our lovely host of this YouTube channel, who I do mm-hmm. love her, mm-hmm. maybe she just doesn't like Taylor Swift. Oh, Taylor yeah. Swift won a sexual harassment complaint. Yeah. Right. 
And that's one of those things. I don't mind her. I actually, I like her songs. I think they're they're damn good pop. A lawsuit, not even a complaint. She won yeah, a lawsuit. Yeah. yeah. And which is, you know, awesome. But I, I think, like, I'm an ad- addict of pop from when I was a young child. Like, I gotta listen to all that crap. I'm a channel chaser. When I'm in the car and I'm driving, if I don't like the song, I go to the next station. I keep looking. And sometimes I just like to see what everything is on the station to know what it is. And I can identify songs in like three notes if they're kind of modern-ish. But were there other fake or bad feminists after the pop thing? Uh, Well, there was one more and she talks about white feminism. So I'm going to play that. That's like a minute, so. White feminism. Disclaimer, when I say white feminism, I don't mean feminists who happen to be slash are white. What I'm referencing is a type of feminism that only directs its focus on issues pertinent to upper class white women. I made a video on the historical exclusion of women of color from the feminist movement. Go check it out. White feminism is pretty much the opposite of everything I stand for and have ever advocated on this channel. As much as I criticize Taylor Swift, I gotta say I find it honestly impressive that she represents everything that is pop feminism and white feminism at the same time. It must be hard having so much money and a cool girl gang of famous actresses, singers, and models. In everyday use, white feminism has basically become a catch-all term for feminism that lacks intersectionality. Feminism that ignores the unique needs of women of color, poor women, LGBTQ people, etc. I wish there was a better word for non-intersectional feminism because I find that even non-white feminists who include race in their discourse sometimes leave out or dismiss other important issues like disability or sexual orientation. If anyone has a good term for this, let me know in the comments. I get a lot of comments criticizing feminism from folks who I suspect aren't familiar with my work and haven't taken the time to watch a single video of mine in its entirety. They'll say, feminists hate men or feminists control the media. And I think what they're actually criticizing are specific subsets of feminism, many of which I've criticized here just now. I think a basic understanding that feminism is diverse and ever-evolving and full of contradicting ideas and so then I cut her off so (laughs) but um yeah racist yeah yeah I mean she does have valid points it's like I mean her her point about you know I like seem to disagree with a lot of what she said earlier I mean she she does bring up some good points about When we think about feminism as a whole, it tends to be the white experience in feminism, you know, you know, which is one of the reasons I, you know, brought up, you know, femi- you know, feminists that were not, um, you know, white Americans. So I, I mean, I, I think that's important. You know, Taylor Swift, just for shit and giggle, she's a feminist. She's looked on as a feminist. Um, but if, uh, you know, there are African American and, and, um, Latina feminists that are also in pop, you know, in pop music, you know, Jennifer Lopez or, mm-hmm. um, you know, Rihanna, that type of thing. But when you think pop, the first person she goes to, which I think is interesting, is Taylor Swift. She doesn't talk about other other people because it's it's like she's, you know, it's like a self self uh, fulfilling prophecy. Oh my, you know, this is bad, bad, bad. But look, I'm gonna point this out and talk about this part. Um, but I mean, I think that that's an, that's an issue. When we talk about feminism, we have to think about all those other groups that are also dealing, you know, transgender, very important. Um, and I don't think, 
you know, in most cases, I don't think it's done in a bad way. I think it's, you know, everybody thinks of them. I mean, let's be honest. Everybody thinks of their situation first in a lot of ways. Hey, I live in D.C. It's really humid today. It's raining. It's, you know, I'm thinking of that versus, hey, in Idaho, it's 14 degrees. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the, just the way people are. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. But I think we also need to think about, hey, there's other people that have a similar experience with um, feminism or, or what that means to us, but their situation and how they have to deal with it also has that element of race or um, uh, sexual orientation or gender um, identity that I don't have. And that needs to be part of the equation as well. It also needs to be um, something that I, as a cis person, need to listen to and hear. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that it would really benefit all of us as women who identify as women in whatever part of the spectrum. It just listen to each other. Listen to each other. You know, I, I, there's, there's a big problem with... Um, there really is a big problem with, and I'm not going to, I don't want to feel guilty about it. And I don't, but I understand that it's a problem. I'm a white woman who talks about feminism from a white woman's point of view. And everybody right. talks about things from their point of view. Yeah. I think everybody. From their own point of view. About, right. They talk about where they are from their own point of view. And I think that, um, I'm hoping that we're starting, starting to come to a place where, we can talk about all of this from our own point to, points of view and appreciate and learn from everybody else's. Yeah. yeah. That, I, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Because definitely. maybe that'll be the fifth way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like I said, I mean, she's kind of downplaying white feminism, but I feel like as long as women are coming forward and saying... You know, here here's somebody who's a woman singer. You make your money walking, running around the country singing, but they're still saying I'm a feminist. You know, and I I, I appreciate that because it's just kind of making it less stigmatized, I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm not going right. to knock her from going around the country and making money. I I I really feel like I'm not even going to knock her for saying she's a feminist. Yeah. She might not be my kind of feminist, yeah. and she certainly not not may be the kind of feminist that um, transgender feminists want, or or gay feminists want, or you know, just as we were talking about all these other things. She she's a feminist, and mm-hmm. and I feel like we were talking earlier about the trends mm-hmm. where it was exclusionary, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I'll take I'll take anybody as long as they are not in the in that idea of excluding other people from what right. they think is feminism, like the turfs. Because you know, like the turfs. Because mm-hmm. you know what, the turfs got Andy Warhol shot. Fuck that. Exactly. And you know what? I think the difference between <laughs> um, second wave and third wave feminists is. In, in a tiny little packet, porn. Because second wave feminists were like, 
look, this porn yeah. industry, it's bad, it exposes women, it hurts them, and it should be taken care of. It should, and, and women should be like this and not this. And then I think what happened in third wave is they were like, there was sex positive feminists. They were like, yes. I'm a dancer. I make money. I like it. I'm empowered. So that's when like a lot of this went, what? You know, like it was a different. And then, and of course, the porn industry and the entertainment industry has changed a lot. I can't say that the friends that I have that are dancers, I can't say that they it's been completely clear sailing. But I think it was it's safer than it was. 50 years earlier you know and um here's the thing if yeah i I really i'm sorry to do this to you guys again but yeah you know in the 70s in the 70s and i'm going to recommend everybody go back and watch the hbo series the deuce the deuce i don't know what that is it's the deuce Deuce. it's about the it's about pimps Mm -hmm. porn and prostitution in the i think the 70s New York City but the thing is and when when we had second wave feminism I don't blame them for saying that pornography is disgusting and it's horrible because we really had sex trafficking at that point Mm -hmm. and things really have changed to the point where you know we, we, we look at Stormy Daniels and Stormy Daniels I don't see her being forced into the industry. No, no. That's why I think things, <laughs> excuse me, have changed a great deal, you know? And um, I, I'm going to check out The Deuce, but also there was a documentary, and I can't remember what it was called. I could find it. But it was about Linda Lovelace. And she was one of the first that came forward and was doing her <laughs> own deep throat. Work. Debbie Does yeah, Dallas. Deep Throat. throat. Yeah. And I yeah. have I have yeah. her biography here too, and it, I'm sure you think it's, fa- it's it's fascinating. But there were some things that happened towards the end of that that were not so good, you know. No. So that's like I think no, that things- she came out of the hippie era and she was kind of like mm-hmm. felt empowered and still. Yes. Yeah. My God, that's such a great point because yeah. that's the that's the key. I mean, there was a lot of women who felt like. I sexual revolution, right? Yeah. So that's that's something that has been kind of next to the to women's rights movement. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she she Linda Lovelace that didn't end up well for her. Yeah, yeah, and she mm-hmm. didn't make any money off that, and it's a damn shame. But I think the porn industry has changed a little bit. It's got um, you know, they go in, they have to get their tests, blah blah blah. Yeah. And they, they do make money off that, which they should make some money. There shouldn't be some guy that knows how to put a video together making all the money to, on it, you know? Um, yeah, I'm telling you, man. I know we're going on hiatus, so we yeah. got a few weeks. You'll go we watch it. The Deuce on HBO. I am. I am going to watch that. Um, I'm Now, I, we do have to clear... We can go as long as you guys want. We do have to, like... Um, wrap things up. But real quick, I did want to talk about... Um, I've got a little thing from someone called cat black on youtube talking about rape culture because i think she she has some really great points and puts them out real quick um you guys all know about the steubenville high school rape case um yes mm-hmm. and that's disturbing and it's a good example of there is rape culture it is here i mean even you know little things it always like has been when i moved to lakewood they were like 
Make sure, you know, my father said to me, make sure you kick your keys to Rocky River if you drop your keys. And it's like, you know what? It's like, I get it. You think that's a joke, but it's jokingly talking about rape. And it's, it's just, it's just gross, you know? So now I'm going to, her name is Cat Black, like I said, but this is a quick. Rape culture is a culture in which sexual violence is considered the norm. It's a culture where girls going away to college are told that they should invest in pepper spray keychains, but doesn't teach boys about consent. It's a culture that tells women that the length of their skirt determines how truthful their claims of sexual violence are. It's a culture that encourages women to keep their sexual assaults to themselves for fear of losing family members or ruining a reputation. It's a culture that tells boys that when they're raped by a female teacher, that they should be thankful that they were able to land a hot chick at such a young age. It's a culture that tells boys that they can't come forward about their rapes when their rapists are men because surviving sexual violence makes you gay and not being able to defend yourself makes you a wimp. It's a culture that jokes freely about men getting what they deserve in prison from other inmates. It's a culture that teaches men that they're incapable of being survivors of sexual violence because of physiological responses. It's a culture that teaches men that street harassment is a favorable way of approaching a woman. It's a culture where I have to say no over and over and over again because men are taught that no secretly means yes. It's a culture where men are more willing to respect my rejection if they believe that I belong to another man. Rape culture is not the idea that we live in a society that supports the idea of rape, but rather that we live in a society that trivializes, downplays, and sometimes struggles to decipher sexual violence. Rape culture tells survivors of sexual violence that they are required to report their rapes, but only convicts 2% of reported rapists. Rape culture unfortunately encourages silence. It creates a situation where people are made to feel responsible for the sexual violence that happens to them but very rarely prosecutes people who commit it. Rape culture is a social bias that we can deconstruct. So, yeah, and I, and I think that bringing up consent is very important, and that's not, not anything that was taught to us in school, I don't think. I don't remember. You know, that I, I think that, you know, it's like we do make, sometimes my friends and I make jokes about it, but I think it's an important thing to teach you know to the kids yeah yeah we weren't taught I wasn't taught about it yeah I wasn't taught that you know I literally was not taught that there were certain behaviors by boys that were inappropriate like like the guy who put a jock strap in my face Ugh. on a bus on the way to a football game when I was a cheerleader and he was part wow. of the basketball team He probably thought he was being romantic. What a dumbass. Well, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, stop that. And, you know, I don't want to say it was a joke, but my female friends, who I'm still friends with, they were like, you know, stop that. Let's just call him John Smith, okay? Mm -hmm. Not his real name. John Smith, stop that. You're being an asshole. And so I was 16. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, it it th- this is something I hope when we come back from our hiatus, we can talk <laughs> more about this because I really do feel like talking about rape culture is important. I think so too. It's, it's because it's, it pairs with the with patriarchy. Yeah, totally. And you've all been you you know 
bothered by someone on the street and oh baby give me your number da, 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 da. and that it's always almost always the one that gets them to go away is oh no I can't my boy I live with my husband I live with my boyfriend and that's the thing that they don't respect anything you've just said but if there's another man that you belong to yes they ex- yes. respect that and it's like dude really does this have to be it, it that and that's the thing that gets them to go away oh yeah. my my husband's very jealous and has lots of guns just, oh okay like you a know fake, a fake wedding ring <laughs> yeah yeah stupid but you know i mean i've used that trick and you know what makes them go away Ugh. so but yeah and I, to this like, day, I don't my think... favorite thing, my favorite thing was, this is probably 1986. I'm sorry, I know I keep referring back to these <laughs> years, but um, a friend of mine, she's still a dear friend. She and I were walking down the street in New York City, and we mm-hmm. we got the cat call. Hey, baby, hey, baby, you want a date? You want a date? And cat, South Carolina. So mm-hmm. I have the New York accent. She's got the Southern accent. And she just kind of turned around. And she's like, yeah, y'all want a date? Look, me and my friend, we're going to have a date. You want a date? <laughs> and I was just a little bit like, okay, I'm going to go with this. And so I was like, yeah, let's go for a date. Those men disappeared. They shut yeah. up. They went back to work. <laughs> and I'm not saying they were this intimidated. is how we, this is, this is, that probably wasn't the safest thing to do. Yeah. But they were intimidated. But, See, that's the key. You got to intimidate, and that's a shame. It, it, it's like when I was yeah. um, in college, me and my roommates, we would walk two blocks away to the bar, and we would just have a drink and talk, you know? And every time, we would just get picked up, picked up, and it's like, this was an old man's bar. We thought we were safe here, you know? And it yeah. was funny because my one roommate would just say, oh, no, and she would hold my hand and pretend we were girlfriends. Now, in the late 80s, that would scare them and they would walk away. Mid-90s, that would excite them. Strange. Mm, yeah. So it's just something that mm. happened, you know, between those two time periods. So, I don't know. But, yeah. So, I mean, I think I think rape culture, the, the concept of rape culture to a lot of men are like, oh, that's scary. You think we're all rapists? It's like, no, that's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is these, culture. Yeah, culture and these rules and these different questions about what consent is. And you know darn yes. well that the Steubenville High School rape case with this girl being passed out and being carrying it around... If that was your sister, you wouldn't fucking like it. Yeah. And it shouldn't have happened. Because if that was your best friend, you would be angry and disgusted. So, they, they, they know darn well it's not right, you know? So, that's how I see it, so. Heidi? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just but, listening. Yeah, but we should we should wrap things up. But like I said, I mean, I did have some other like things about ancient Babylonia, and basically, ancient Babylonia thousands and thousands of years ago said the same thing: if a woman that's a virgin is raped, then 
you you should the man should be killed but if she's you know a wife or something like that then you know it's it, they're 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 both going to be killed so you know it, it, this isn't is something that this isn't something that's happened in the last 10 years this is something that's happened forever like thank you forever <laughs> so i don't know it's not something that's going away yes, unless we know. deal with it you know yeah so you do know don't say i don't know <laughs> fucking patriarchy we gotta kick it we gotta kick it in its patriarchy bad man. and you know like i i really i really think our current presidential situation has to do with the patriarchy and and just being like damn it we'll take any leader as long as he's got a penis well look what the situation we're in now great you know so. His penis is orange. <laughs> no, there's no self-toner there. It's not. <laughs> You're right. It's not orange. It's white. It is so white. It needs a hood to protect it. Glows itself. in the dark. <laughs> so. Well, he is. You know, it's. He's likely hung like a grape, which explains <laughs> a lot of his. Um, you know. That's what Stormy the said. The way he reacts to everything. I love that. Hung like a grape. Didn't didn't well, yeah. Stormy say it was like a, a button on a fur coat? Yeah, something like do you, that. Do you really think he had that much hair? Really? I don't know. That's, that's just a saying 71. Ken says. Button on a fur coat. I'm <laughs> telling you. I think it's just a button on a piece of polyester. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, so. this is so gross. <laughs> so gross but that's it June Thursday June 21st 2018 it's time for the summer I'm gonna upgrade my house you're gonna find a house rain and Heidi you're gonna sell your house so yes so I may be living on uh, rain's porch depending on how this works out so we're gonna have a porch sister you can come, you can come camp yeah. out <laughs> you can come camp out. We're gonna have a porch. That's yeah, awesome. I'll be the crazy person screaming at the uh, screaming at the television. Yeah, <laughs> it's not gonna be a TV on the porch. No TV. Just, uh, just no. a bicycle. Oh, You'll just God. have to bike around. Just gonna throw dogs on your lap and say, "Hug the dog, hug it, hug it." Yes, hug and cat, and yes. Uh, All right. Everybody, Resistor Sisters, we're in a hiatus. We'll see you in, what, September? September. See you in September. Yay. All right. All right. Uh, all right. So hopefully we all have good news by then. All our stuff is done. And, yes. you know, maybe somebody is in orange or more orange. That would Happy be fabulous. Summer. Yes. Self-care. Happy summer. Self-care. And then, today Self-care. is the first day of yeah. summer, so it is. I'm gonna it is. go. So I'm happy gonna, solstice! Yeah, it's the solstice, and this is the day that I, uh, I uh, take my lavender out of the front and I, I reap it. Uh, what is that called? Uh, reap? I don't know. I can't think. I of love it. lavender. Yeah. Love well, it. I've got a bunch growing, and if you take it and you cut it down today and make the, um, the bunches of it, it's great uh. to put in your closet and keep the bugs away but if you let it go much longer into into july it'll just the flowers will all die so 
Okay. And you can also make soap and yeah, and oil and all kinds of fabulous things with it. Yeah, candles. Yeah. Gotta love your lavender. All Chill of our listeners. Yeah. Self care. Self care. Yeah. And when you feel like you can't self care, contact somebody who is safe. Just we all got to get through this. We so will get through this, but we have to take care of each other. Yeah, I'm looking through my self care book, and it says, "Kiss someone, something you love." Listen to a Is new a band. Visit, there you go. Visit your local library. I love my library. Try new food. <laughs> Organize your desk. Host a potluck. <laughs> Listen to a podcast. What are, it's right there. Yay! Listen to a podcast. Damn it. Yay! <laughs> I love you all. I'm hanging all right. out. All right. Love you. Talk all to right. you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Resistor Sisters. Destroying the patriarchy one podcast at a time.